the future of photography. Hello and welcome back to uh, The Future of Photography. My name is Chris Marquardt and uh, today it's only three of us, Adrian and Jeremiah here. Good um, evening. Yeah, we're recording in the evening. Hey. It's evening for me. I'll answer that one. It's evening for me. How are you doing? It's not even lunchtime. Um, <laughs> doing fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, again, coming to you from several continents at once, um, we are going to explore an interesting topic that Adrian has brought us this time. And uh, by the way, Imar says hello to everyone, but she can't make it today. So Adrian, take it away. Well, thank you very much, sir. So, uh, a lovely little techie one today. Lots, lots of computational image manipulation and 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 some quite fantastic outcomes. Actually, um, I've been a bit, a bit mind blowing this one. Um, I, I picked this up. Uh, uh, credit to Peter Pixel who, who the, for the original article, but it was an, it's an article about some work that's been done. Um, and I believe it's a, a, a Google team, but it's it's sort of in their spare time. Um, and they have a thing they call Nerf in the Wild. Uh, that is... Nerf Nerf reminds me of uh, Nerf guns, of uh, foam foam arrows and that kind of stuff. We have several in our house, yes. Um, <laughs> always good fun. Uh, children love to shoot each other until one of them gets hit and then they cry. <laughs> so that's not related, I would think. Uh, not unless you want it to be. Um, so uh, in, in this, though, uh, this NERF uh, is, stands for Neural Radiance Fields, um, n is the NERF. Uh, uh, neural Radiance Fields being a software technology of some sort that for, for I, I won't pretend to understand. I'll just be amazed at the outcomes. Um, and uh, in in the show link uh, in the show notes, uh, there is a link to a YouTube video, which is which is the uh, published information from this team. Uh, um, let me let me bring this up right here on the side. So that's a really good idea. Um, I mean, I think I'd, I'd advise most listeners if they have the opportunity to have a look at this before they listen to the rest of the show. It's not it's, it's not a, a must do. Or they um, watch the video version of this episode, which is on um, on the web, and there's a link in your show notes so you can watch it there. So yeah, well, the, what are they doing? Sorry, go on. What are they doing? Well, they're, they're, this is the, uh, an amazing thing. I mean, this is, so they are working. First of all, let's talk about data sets. So the data sets that they're working with are collections essentially of tourist photos, snapshots uh, of, tour, uh, I guess, world famous architectural icons. Um, uh, the, you know, uh, and these shots, this data sets are quite diverse in the sense that the shots are taken from different angles, different times of day. Of course, when as, as we all know from being tourists ourselves, there are uh, any number of difficulties in taking photographs of tourist attractions uh, because there's always you know delivery vans in the way and, and or people standing in the wrong place. It's very difficult to get a, a clean photograph. And what this team are doing... Um, well, let, let me just read you just the introduction um, a bit, um, and then we'll talk about it in plain English after that. It says, we present Nerf W, a system for 3D reconstruction of landmarks from unconstrained in the wild photo collections. Given a set of posed photos, Nerf W is able to disentangle the shared underlying 3D geometry from transient objects and photometric variations producing a consistent photorealistic scene representation that can be rendered from novel viewpoints. Okay, 
that's the that's what they say um what does it mean <laughs> what does it mean it means that um if you take a photograph of a famous landmark or if you, actually that's correct if you take many many photographs of a famous landmark they can do two or three things they can remove all the other tourists and delivery vans to give you a clean view uh they can uh change the position of that view um based upon that so they're generating 3d information from those photo sets and therefore you can move around in a, in a limited 3d space it's not entirely you know 360 from the demos they've shown um and i guess that de depends upon their data sets um and then thirdly um which i find to be the most mind-blowing um is that they can recreate that scene in a photorealistic manner with any lighting condition that is taken from part of the photo data set so they can show you the same thing at night they can show you sunny they can show you raining they can show you uh, all of this is is quite incredible um uh it's and and you know very very effective um it's it's astonishing really so um, let, let, let me let me try to understand what's going on here so this is this is a sort of photogrammetry, automated photogrammetry. So it looks at things from different angles and, and creates the 3D geometry from there. That's the first part. And the second is the uh, the obstacle obstacle removal. So the delivery vans and the tourists standing in front of your camera, that kind of stuff. And the third is um, the relighting of the scene. Is that the three main things they do? Yes, uh that that is my understanding of the demo video uh mm -hmm. it's um yeah it's uh i'm not quite sure which order they do it in um but it's it's amazing and on the video they show i mean they'll show like one particular image and i suspect it's it's one of several but they just, they'll show one in a particular lighting condition let's say sunset and part of your landmark is a very warm sort of orangey color glow to it because it's sunset it can then extrapolate that across the whole thing and show the whole thing at sunset even though that that might not have been in the original photograph mm -hmm. so yeah there, there's some incredible stuff going on there i i i'm very very clever indeed <laughs> I, I was wondering if uh, the files that they generate are indeed photographic files, i.e., are they some kind of GIFs? Are they are they a series of strung JPEGs together? Whatever whatever files they are, or are they meshes that are created based on the photogrammical, if that's a word. Um, assessment of all the angles and the uh, lighting that's on them, and they basically reconstruct that. And are, I don't think that's the way to do it, but it would certainly be the next step from the information they have, which is to create a virtually um, perfect to the eye um, variation of the uh, of the icon. Yeah, I think that's a re that's a really interesting idea. I mean, I, I I've seen from the video itself that they do create depth map imp information. Looks like um, it, yeah. yeah, it doesn't it doesn't say explicitly. I don't think what their rendering engine is, um, and I could imagine I so I could imagine that you could decouple the analysis uh, phase of the work from the rendering phase of the work. And you could almost sort of plug and play your rendering engines. <laughs> well, it would um, be very interesting if they, if, if, for example, uh, you go, you know, I, I, I would like to, um, I'd like to take a, or create an environment like the New York public library. Perfect example of something that has a lot of 
people camped out on the stairs, moving in front, buses, New York, etc. Also, lots of photos of that available. Millions. That's true. Yes, yes. Yes. So, so there you have it. But I want to create it to use in the game, for example. If I went to the web and just if I basically I can program a robot or a bot to kind of comb through images and any image of the New York Public Library from any angle is assessed. Then with that basket of images, kind of go with these nerf nerf riders and say, can you create a mesh? This is like stuff I just pulled off the web, use your AI, send me back an OBJ or an FBX file that is effectively a just a pure mesh of the architecture. Then I can apply whatever textures to it that I want and actually navigate around it. I think it's already doing the the nerf thing is already doing the texture mapping as well. So you end up yeah. with a with a system that has all that information ready and and uh, ready to play with it, and then you have the full three D um, or mostly three D um, representation that you can take any photo out of that you want. So yeah. photographically. Um, that's uh, Adrian. Thanks for adding this to our to our worksheet here. Um, that's pretty much the the photographic archaeology that I was uh, talking about uh, before, right? You have a lot of photos from different angles, and um, then there's a system, and apparently it's here now that lets you synthesize any viewpoint, any focal length, any light situation uh, from any angle that you want, and create a photo that way it's incredible it's incredible stuff uh, jeremiah i think you've just described your next startup business by yes. the way so, <laughs> so, you know and, and why why would you even why would you even make your new clients actually provide you with the data set i mean if these are public landmarks you know that's you what i'm saying you, you wouldn't have to yeah you publicly you source the, the data set yeah, yeah. Um, it's, so, so I have to ask of the three of you and i suspect it's all, of three of us i should say i suspect it's all three of us who's been to the trevi fountain uh, not have not been there, but there is probably millions have, of photos. And now I can't splashed probably. in it like the movie. <laughs> have you not, Chris? Okay, so I thought Chris, you may have done being a, being an experienced traveller. Uh, okay, well let me. Jeremiah will get this instantly. Um, the Trevi Fountain fills the available space. <laughs> um, there's a, there's there's literally about you know just a couple of meters in front of the Trevi Fountain. You can stand uh, in order to it, it fills the the piazza it's in. Basically, it's a very small piazza, uh, it, and it is an amazing, amazing thing. Yeah, it's an amazing piece of art. Um, uh, but it's damnably difficult to get a photograph of. <laughs> yes, it is, which explains in films that use the Trevi Fountain, the the couple are always splashing romantically in the fountain because whatever walkway is around it that's what where the camera crew that's where the crew goes yeah it, it is it is an astonishing place um uh and it, but it's very difficult to take a photograph of sorry uh, just just for those who, who are listening and haven't had a chance to, to look at the video the trevi fountain is one of the examples used in the video and it's it's a very good example uh because it's almost impossible to take uh, a, a picture of the trevi fountain without there being thousands of other people in in the way uh often with um selfie sticks i remember that one time i was there um and it was a sunny day and there are lots of street vendors selling selfie sticks to everybody and there were uh it started to rain and there were about three drops of rain and all the vendors had all the selfie sticks had vanished and they were all the same vendors selling umbrellas they, they just <laughs> magic from nowhere <laughs> it's 
like very, they very clever. They just popped on the umbrella onto the scene. But perhaps they did, but the umbrellas make it even harder to take a clean photograph of the Trevi fountain. Um, that and the available space. I think I had a 12 millimeter lens and I struggled to take a photo of it. So um, I, I and think so that does I have to interrupt because I, th- I think there's something interesting. You've just sparked something. And this is a question. Why, when there are literally hundreds of thousands of pictures of the Trevi Fountain, do we as travelers insist on taking our own picture of it, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, and certainly our our own selfie of us in front of, which is a subject for a future episode. I have an answer to to. that, but not not right now. (laughs) I had had this exact discussion with someone late last night, actually, yes. (laughs) It's oh. to, is it to prove to yourself that you were in fact there, that you were no. participating? Well, okay. In so the, the short the short answer is that a photo um, to you is not just the two dimensional photo. It's uh, loaded with a lot of other things, including the experience of getting up at five a.m. to get the shot, the experience of being there, of breathing the air, of smelling the the grass, of whatever is going on there, of hearing birds in the morning. That all is the photo for you, and uh, you've been there. So it's your photo. It's a very different one from all the others that look exactly the same, but it's your photo, and that really makes a big then- difference. Is the photo itself or the act of taking it, does that represent the closure of that experience, which may be, say, a two-hour experience of getting up that early and trying to beat the crowds? No, of course it doesn't. (laughs) Like, like I I have photographs that I took at Anger Wat and literally was up at, you know, three in the morning to be right there with the very first people that went in just as the sun was coming up. And Susan and I, we we were fundamentally the only people there. I mean, maybe half a dozen people in this vast site. Absolutely spectacular. And yes, the photographs reminded me, it's very uh, astute of you, Chris, that the whole process of getting there and being sleepy and walking in and watching the sunrise perfectly over those incredible monuments, shall we say, and, and, and experience that because later in the day, it was a would-be, I'm not going to say overrun because it, it's not really overrun with, with tourists, but there would be more people that I would um, celebrate for my photographic approach. But So you're right. Uh, you know, are there better photographs of Angkor Wat? I think so. Uh, would I have liked to have a eight by ten camera and spend an hour on each? Yeah, yes. would have liked that. Um, so the experience, true, in when I took the picture, it really brought closure of for myself of saying yes, I was here. I did experience this entire process, and it's not like we we go home and we kind of study. Uh, at least I don't all my travel pictures. I mean, I'll, I'll I tend to take a few out that I will present more in an artistic way. But, you know, the the hundreds or thousands of pictures that we take when we're on the road, sometimes we revisit them a lot later. And I think your analysis of the memory of the entire experience is probably closely attached to any single image. So interesting. It's an interesting point, actually, I think, because it's uh, that what would you think about a 
a 3D, you know, um, positionable, clean view uh, of which your photograph has contributed maybe one out of just uh, out of thousands, oh. or just one of thousands. Is that still... Do you, do you still feel the same attachment to that? Maybe image that or? could become a similar experience in the future, where, where you is. where you think back and go, "Oh, remember when I was in Nerf and I was uh, digging <laughs> out that one photo, and it was like a real adventure to get there." And I don't know. I think I, mean, if, I, I think if you could get a clean view to 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 sit alongside your 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 own snapshot, so if you could get. Perhaps let's say you went at sunrise to a site and you took a photo. Uh, I think maybe the the one that had similar lighting that was automatically generated from a data set might be more meaningful for you. So you could have you could have the photo you took and the photo you wish you were able to take if you'd had. May the I draw and- your attention <laughs> to my website and the work that I have been doing, which is capturing imagery within virtual realities that are very difficult to recreate. In other words, I challenge anyone to take the photo that I took to find a location, wait for which, the light. Position. Which one of the galleries should I open? Uh, well, try the new, the city is good. Okay. Try the city. There we go. Inter- that's an interesting yeah. idea. Uh, yeah, move, move through that a bit. I'll, I'll, I'll give you, a, that's like that. That's a beautiful image. Uh, but... Keep moving, and I'll show you one in particular. It's a man standing in front of a sub. Well, like, well, that's a good example. I'm just, yeah, just go through that for a moment. N- noting for those who don't know my work, this is all digits, false, fake photography. What? Fake photography. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. is it that like, one? look at this image. Yeah, uh, you know, if I said. You go and find this picture. Take it. <laughs> like you could never do it. No, probably not. It, it's a random moment, like in life, that you come across and wait for, and position the camera, and position the thing, and wait for the light. And of course, there's a tremendous amount of post-production involved in, in, uh, I'd say, abstracting it. Um, so, does that give me pleasure? Sure, it does. You know, was I there? No, no one was there. So that's that again is an interesting thing, isn't it? Because it has, uh, it, it, I guess, it has a meaning for you artistically as opposed to a meaning for you in yes. you know, in the travel sense. You can know? I can yeah. I do a quick a quick look into um, history because the Nerf thing? Sorry, I'm calling it the Nerf thing because I'm not really sure what it's, okay. it's really called, but. Um, <laughs> Do it's you know Nerf that w. They, they call it Nerf W. Does so. any one of you remember Photosynth? Oh, yes. Photosynth oh, yes. was sure. um, a Microsoft product. I think it came from a product from a company called Sea Dragon. Anyway, they had yes. Photosynth um, like 11 years ago. And what Photosynth did, let me try to make this. I remember it being ahead here. of its time, very much ahead of its Cr- time. What Chris, they did I was, is they, I was a heavy user. Of, yeah, they of they did they did um they they scoured Flickr and other places that had photos of uh, landmarks and things and they would create this well, not a really 3D view, but they would take all those different photos and match them up and overlay them and then you'd have this 
almost like a tiled view with overlapping tiles of something and you could zoom in and get closer and um, it wasn't that 3D photogrammetry thing but it was something similar and along the lines of what uh, Nerf is doing so um, it that is also reminded you could use that. it you could use it as a camera too yes. photosynth had its own camera so you could stitch every yes, you, you could, could literally stitch a 360 way ahead of its time mm -hmm. yeah you could it was combine I your images mm -hmm. with online images uh and then you could photograph within it get rid of the texturing in terms of tiling it was it was a very uh interesting precursor to contemporary photogrammetry i yep. think it was. Uh, and, and this is, uh, I'd be interested in Chris's view, not just about the photo archaeology, but also about things that are more related to uh, architecture, real estate and stuff like that. Because Chris, when we all know, of course, your, your love for tilt shift lenses and, and, and getting the, getting the, the straights vertical and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you know, it's a shame you haven't been to the Trevi Fountain, actually, because it'd be a common point of reference. But never mind, we'll move on. Um, uh, you know, get, getting that getting that clean shot in a combined space um, in a way that would make sense for business uses where perhaps, you know, less less personal uses. So this is not particularly a memory that you had, but it is maybe a tool for your business, a fee-earning business where you would be presenting imagery to clients, to paying clients. Um, you know, are there times you find I, I i can't believe i'm even being rude enough to ask this but are there times you ever find where the tilt shift lens just isn't quite enough <laughs> of course of course absolutely it's not it's not the end all be all kind of tool um but it gives me tremendous pleasure to use it and to uh to create with it um and there we there we go back to the to the process you know the 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 process is one side of the of the coin and the getting there is one side of the coin so that involves not just getting up at 5 or at 3 and being tired and not having had a cup of coffee yet but it also involves the tools you work with it involves how you deal with the the the, the things there and um so for me the the tools are not everything but they are part of the process and that is just another tool i would think for yeah no, i understand i understand it's, yeah. it's 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 um it's it's if this could be an this could be an amazing tool if this was to become productized in some way um and uh you know i can for me let's hope it does because it's it's an awesome piece of technology yeah even right now in a prototype phase i mean if if this could become uh uh you know uh uh, a fully productized thing that would that would be amazing uh, i find it uh amazing for example because not only am i kind of capturing or repurposing or appropriating work within video games but i'm creating my own landscapes and environments uh as, as you guys know um i i think it would be very interesting if i just wanted to add for example a small boxed canyon um, to one of my landscapes and just did a Google search for imagery of box canyons and just pulled all of that stuff out, was able to process it as mesh and just with the, um, with the heat maps or splat maps or height maps, whatever I could generate out of those meshes, just integrated into my work and boom. And that would be from the public. It would actually be a, a way of combining many different box canyons into the kind of classic box canyon and would i have control over that or not but i 
I do think the appropriation of public imagery into a useful, uh, whether it's image, single image of that, or uh, a universal mesh, which can be altered, sculpted, relit, uh, resurfaced, retextured, is something that would be very, very interesting to me. Should we, should we spend another half hour on trying to assess the rights situation? Who owns that photo <laughs> when it's done? It's public domain. I, you know what? I was thinking. I was just thinking two two things. One of it was about rights, and I was remembering that um, uh, you're not allowed to take a picture of the Eiffel Tower at night uh, because the, the yeah, night true. view of the Eiffel Tower is uh, uh, is copyrighted. But the daytime view, it's okay to take it in the daytime. It's the lights. Of criminals walking around. It's yeah, the lights. Are, it's uh, the lights on the Eiffel Tower. The Eiffel Tower the itself at night is fine right. unless unless yeah. you have uh, the lights so, in your photo. Then you might be in trouble. So, so it's I wonder like, your you honor, could... your honor, yeah. we're going to we're going to take all the lights out of our photograph. Don't worry. Or, we clone or, them out. Or take photos during a day. Take a photo set that was shot during a day and then generate the lights. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah. Uh, and how if you've got a generated uh, image uh, from a from a, a capability such as this Nerf W, does it does it count um, uh, in in the copyright? Um, I, you know, lots and lots of questions. I mean, you know, as we all know, and we've we've mentioned a lot on this podcast, it's it's difficult for copyright law to keep up with technology, um, and it so is. there are, there are big, always gaps. A, and that's a very big problem because there, it, it's it's laws that are very different country to country. Uh, uses are very very different. How to apply them. Uh, artists don't really know where that gray line is, and and uh, many of us are are, you know, trying to navigate through um, a very very scary scenario where you know we don't want to be in court, defending something that we have the, sort of the droit moral, the you know the right to use it, even the legal right to use it, where you have a very, you know, well funded corporation who's coming after you to pay them, and you have to defend yourself even if you're right so th those questions of copyright ownership are are things that i'm not sure are going to be resolved rather quickly you know and the law the maybe, system maybe is the... always slower than the actual development out there yeah yeah so so may maybe then uh, uh you know just one other use case that i thought of is uh something to do with you know uh the work of historians or maybe museums that are that are seeking to to recreate what an, a, a place would look like and feel like in a time past uh perhaps a time where the images that contribute are, are have no copyright associated with them uh maybe that, that's expired you know if i wanted to create a uh an image of i don't know a 3d rendering of piccadilly circus in 1953 you know, um, any images taken at that time, unless they'd been actively protected in this country, the copyright would have expired. Um, I think, as I understand copyright law in this country, um, and therefore could be used without fear of reprisal. Um, so, it, well, uh, I, yeah, this is. I, th I think this is going to kind of lead to um, what will be my pick of the week. But also in terms of, I just occurred to me now, but let's say you wanted to create an image of the Acropolis and could draw from hundreds of paintings of the Acropolis Ooh, paintings. Mm. over the years, uh, perhaps, 
you know, hundreds of years, maybe longer, but let's just call it hundreds of and years. And not just realistic paintings, but uh, more Abstract fantastic, paintings fantastic paintings, cubist yeah. paintings. All um, of that. All the different styles. It. Yes. <laughs> Process that through AI. Build a, <laughs> like a, a version of it that you could then, uh, like, I, I think those kinds of things mm -hmm. would be uh, very interesting. I mean, I... In my um, pick of the That's week, funny. which I'll just kind of tip, it, 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 and I may have mentioned it on the podcast before, it's about having AI create works of art. But I was thinking, drawn from um, your Nerf uh, presentation, that, well, what if I could uh, photograph or capture many uh, images of of scenes or just a single image of a scene, say a Turner painting, right? And have AI generate depth maps, heat maps, height maps, HDRIs, lighting, all of that, and literally create an environment in which we can extrapolate a 3D navigable uh, into the painting. What would that feeling look like? I think that's a very exciting that would be future awesome. of... of exploring traditional art and modern technology it's something that i'm very drawn to i don't quite know how. that's it that's, that's interesting I've just, that's just spawned another idea actually i've just had an idea a silly idea perhaps but for a virtual reality passport uh where you go into a place and you have a scat you have lots of photographs taken of you from all directions um and and it builds up a a, a three-dimensional model of you that you could use as a, a in a passport so you can and you you know the, the the border control guard could move the passport around and see different angles of you and uh then they'd be doubly <laughs> sure that it's you a hologram uh yeah there we go yeah. there's a there's a term for that we reinvented the hologram just here <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the, the, i just think this is really exciting stuff um yeah, yeah the, there's so many potential uses for something like this i mean yeah this is as i say as i understand this is a a team from google um uh who of course done this. Google. um and so you know i look forward to seeing uh the the new york public library and the trevi fountain um in in google maps at some point um yeah, because this is clearly clearly mapping and uh, is a uh, is a, a great way to a great potential use case for this. Um, but but I think that there's so many from the personal through small business through to worldwide stuff. Um, yeah, I think there's so many business opportunities for this. There's so many creative opportunities for it. And just throw AR in the mix, and then everything is going to explode anyway. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> there we go. Um, one to watch i think i think we should come back and revisit this in a in a in a little while keep track of this team and what they're doing what they're publishing absolutely um they, it says that they're going to publish an actual paper soon but i doubt i'll i'll understand that so i'll, I'll stick with the youtube videos i think <laughs> okay um speaking of youtube videos let's go on to the picks of the week i am going to uh present mine at first because it is a uh, sort of a long the lines of this, even though just in a different, uh, slightly different way, um, someone has created a system that gets rid of obstructions. Like they are, they are just rendering out a, a chain link fence in this 
Oh, that would be useful, video wouldn't there. it? That would be so useful. So, so here, here, what we're looking at here is an example of a tiger in a in a in a cage kind of situation, and the the, the, the chain link fence in front just goes away. Um, they have used AI for that. They have used machine learning for that, and it's not using still photos. It is using um, video. So it uses several frames of a moving camera, and then um, kind of um, extrapolates. What is the foreground? What is the background? And it just takes the foreground out then, and uh, it's it's pretty stunning to see. So I'm pretty sure there's there's similar technologies that they have used um, with uh, with the Nerf thing um, that also includes taking out reflections of a window, uh, shoot through a window. So you take a picture and there's the light behind you in the room that reflects into your photo. And uh, this mm. thing just takes those reflections out or That'd separates awesome. them. So you have the reflection separate from the uh, thing behind the reflection. Somebody should put that person in touch with the, the makers <laughs> of um, telephones. Because there's, there's two or three major components that I'm, and I'm just going to guess here, but there's a component yes. about understanding a depth map, isn't there? Well, yes. phones can build death map, a death maps, death map, a death map. That sounds, that sounds terrible. <laughs> we got plenty of those. A, a depth map. Sorry, excuse me. Um, uh, and then there's a content aware fill bit, isn't there? Um, uh, which you know, uh, applicate software applications can do today as well. And, and with a combination of, of those two things, um, that could be really exciting. Somebody should build an app. <laughs> well, I want also, that on my phone. I want that on my next phone. By the way, with with Chris was showing us is really having the AI uh, kind of utilize pattern recognition, which is really mm. what it is, and kind of go the opposite. It's kind of like when you're tracking somebody in video with let's say they have a blue hat and you want to change it to a red hat and it'll you know once you identify the frame it'll it'll change every frame and understand the kind of motion this is kind of the reverse it'll just eliminate patterns that it recognizes yeah um you know it probably is uh, a chain link fence is probably a good and easy uh one to recognize because it is so specifically geometric but it could get a little more complicated i think that's what that's one of the things that i could imagine when apple introduces their next line of iphones that they will have something like that built in and it's going to be the wow feature for everyone so who's next jeremiah or adrian uh, I can go next. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I basically, you know, kind of tipped what I had. It, it basically, it's a um, an image that's made with pure code. So uh, it, it 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 uses um, machine learning to literally um, teach computers what a mid-century style painting would be and then feeds it <laughs> this is according to um what you were uh, mentioning it in terms of you know the turner painting in cubist ways or, or the acropolis in in cubist ways but it then will generate a version of uh, this kind of art and i i just presented as kind of the opposite to what i was saying which is it would be great to have a piece of art which could be analyzed from the point of view of light, depth, texture, environment, um, and the more more um, copies or differences we have of of the same thing. A landscape would be a little easier to to uh, 
I guess, to build then a kind of Cubist picture of Picasso's girlfriend, but that would be an interesting thing to meet in virtual reality. Uh, um, point is that, that we are headed towards a fusion of smart learning, art, environment, meshes, and recreation that is that will bode extremely uh, well or interesting results over the next 10 years. Awesome. Yeah. Certainly something yeah, that we're going to link in the show notes so everyone can have a look. Um, Adrian, <laughs> yeah. what have you brought us? Okay, I'm sticking with my fascination with the Trevi Fountain for my pick of the week. <laughs> uh, the, the, my pick of the week is the Lego Architecture Trevi Fountain. <laughs> is this in the Play Zone or in the Lego.com? It's on uh, Lego.com. It's, well, the link is to lego.com. Okay, so, yeah, so, right. uh, yeah that, that's um, yeah that, that that's to the kit itself. Um, I I can I can personally recommend this because I received this as a gift from, from <laughs> my wonderful <laughs> wife uh, a couple of years oh, ago, um, and it and it's awesome. Um, and uh, yes, it, it stems back to uh, to remembering that we had been to Rome together and, and visited the Trevi Fountain <laughs> together, and she bought, and she bought me this as part, partly as a memory of that. I think. Um, it just it's just for fun it's got nothing to do with photography um, unless unless perhaps you'd like to take a photograph of a lego trevi fountain rather than the real thing i'd probably recommend the real thing though if you can get there <laughs> definitely possible wonderful so i guess we have um, probably uh, put up more questions than we answered but uh, everyone is welcome to go to our show notes click through the links have a look themselves and make up their own mind about where this might go um, ask yourself that question what is what does that mean for the future of photography um, we are of course online at uh, tfop now on twitter on insta and on uh, the future of photography now that's our website that's where you can find all the other episodes of this and then there's also a link to the video version of this episode down in the show notes and uh, we'll be back in a week from now until then everyone and take care bye bye Bye. Bye, all. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Thank you.